Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Beer and Biceps podcast and if you have noticed that I'm talking quieter than usual it's because I'm recording this at quarter past ten at night and my missus is asleep in bed so this podcast could very well be interrupted by her smashing the door down and screaming at me. Um, today's episode is about are abs made in the kitchen? Um, I don't know if you've heard this phrase before, I've always found it incredibly irritating but I'm not sure why it's a fairly um, innocuous statement and there's a lot of truth to that Um, the sort of idea behind it is that um, you could do all the exercise you want but if your diet's not in shape if your diet's not right then uh, nobody's going to see your abs Uh, but actually the phrase itself is incorrect Um, Your abs are a set of muscles, and muscles are not made in the kitchen. They are you're born with them, and then you can increase their size through exercise. You need food as well to build them, but um, if you just ate your abs, you wouldn't get an amazing six pack. It's a combination of the two. So, whenever I talk to people about this, and you know somebody tells me, "Oh, abs are made in the kitchen." I just I straight up have to disagree. Um, abs are made in the gym, and they are revealed through your work in the kitchen. But the whole argument is sort there's a sort of belief by many people that um, you can't out train a bad diet. You know, um, you could have a bad diet, um, and then it doesn't matter how much exercise you do, you will not have a be have a good body. Um, this isn't true. Um, I mean, it's true for most people in a broad sense, but again, it's just another phrase that people bang out without really thinking about it. Like, if you run ultra marathons, your diet could be absolute garbage, but you would still be quite skinny because of the amount of calories you burn each day. Um, if you take anabolic steroids, then you could probably get away with quite a bad diet and still actually look amazing. So, yes, you're probably thinking, well, those aren't very likely examples. And no, they're not. But how often do we hear these things said in, you know, these... What's the word for it? Uh, Finite sentences, you know, that are just said continually by everyone. And they're not even true. And they're just... they, They overly simplify everything. Um, and I'm trying to just point out that actually it's not quite true and we should maybe think of a better way of talking about it than this sort of black and white so I actually think diet is incredibly important so don't get don't get me confused on this Um, with all my clients now I'm pretty much focusing 90% on their diet and their sleep and stress management and 10% on their exercise. That doesn't mean that that they um, they are performing 10% of their lives following exercise. That would be a crazy amount of exercise. But that's how I'm sort of taking it. So, you know, an exercise session is quite easy to set out, really. Um, you know, creating programs for clients is something I've done for years and years and years. But diet is incredibly different for everyone. And everyone's got their sort of... Um, hang-ups over food, they've got good and bad relationships with certain food or drink, Um, sleep is a very difficult one as well, Um, 
you'd be amazed at how few people get enough sleep each night. I mean, I work from home, so theoretically I could sleep for as many hours as I wanted, provided I still got my work done. But even I struggle to get eight hours. Like, I probably get set between seven and eight each night. Uh, but compared to most, you know, most people who, you know, adults who work... That's crazy amounts of sleep. You know, I, I talk to people who've, you know, who get five or six hours each night, and I don't know how anyone's functioning on that. <laughs> as you probably guessed with this podcast, it's not going to be as um, laser focused as my more recent ones. It's going off on bits of tangents, but um, that was kind of why I chose this topic. I thought, you know, sometimes it's good to just write a sentence down and just talk about it without um, having everything planned out in advance. Um, or I completely forgot about the pa- uh, podcast until right now and panicked. You guys decide. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, what was I saying? So abs, are they built in the kitchen? No. Um, and nor is diet the only thing that matters. And I don't know why people get into that sort of thing. Um, Diet and exercise are both incredibly important and one should not be ignored for any reason. Like, you could have a fantastic diet, but if you're not moving at least a bit during the day, then you would, I would say you have an unhealthy lifestyle. Um, you could exercise all the time, but if you're not eating right, then I would say you're having an unhealthy lifestyle. I mean, I, I was definitely that person for... Um, when I lo- when I finish, no, yeah, when I was in my, finishing my third year of uni, I was in terrible shape, like, my entire life was just struggling to understand this insane subject that is sports science, um, and then spending every other hour drinking or eating bad food, you know, I was in a terrible, terrible shape, so, you know, um, I then got a job as a fitness instructor, um, which, is incredibly challenging to balance that lifestyle. Like, um, I know that you don't have to be in shape to be a personal trainer or a fitness instructor, but when you're so clearly out of shape, and I clearly was, um, it's difficult because you're giving people advice and you're just looking at them looking at you. Um, I'm in danger of going into another tangent here, but um, I always find find it interesting how... Um, men in the fitness industry are completely and obviously objectified and broken down into their base parts like and it's never spoken about like i'll give you examples of several things that i've genuinely had said to me in whilst working in that industry one you are too fat to be a fitness instructor literally said to my face and the worst thing is i sort of agree with him i was too fat um but I'd never say that to anyone else, and I was a much better fitness instructor than he was, so, you know. Um, other thing I've said, uh, you're basically a prostitute, because you sell your body. Um, that was an odd one, especially because that was at the beginning of a session, so I then had to do an entire hour's worth. Um, and then I've had about 17 different, 17's low-balling it, I've had probably 50 different, mostly women, but men too, say, you don't really look like a personal trainer, which is kind of a shitty thing to say, uh, and you'd have to be pretty fucking dumb not to realise how offensive that is to people. And the worst thing is, again, I, I felt that. I felt I didn't look like 
a personal trainer should look. I still don't look like a personal trainer should look. Um, but that's partly due to not having access to a gym in about a year um, and being confined to just walking and doing push-ups. And I suck at push-ups. Um, but yeah, that's sort of... Um, that happens a lot and I'm not going to say that the really ridiculously fit personal trainers are um, also, you know, have it so, you know, just as bad because they're being complimented. But they're definitely, there's definitely a perception that, one, the perception is that personal trainers are stupid, which while I have seen a couple of rock dumb personal trainers, I'd say the majority are incredibly intelligent Um and that's not just a backwards way of complimenting myself. Um, I just genuinely, a lot of the personal trainers I've met with are really, really switched on. They know their shit. Um, and even when they don't know their shit, they know it. They know what they think is right so well. And they go to so deep down that, you know, it's virtually the same thing, which is always quite scary. Um, I'm talking about like people who like push a keto diet, you know. They may be ultimately wrong, but they are so convincing and there's so much intelligence that goes into being that wrong that it's actually kind of impressive. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still um, seen as fucking idiots. <laughs> I definitely got that with sports science as well. Um, when I was at uni, um, we'd be like studying homeostasis and, you know, what such a, you know, so many complicated metabolic processes. But, you know, I'd tell a friend and they'd be like, oh, so you're doing PE? I'm like, no, I'm not doing PE. I'm doing a real science. And then I'd have to get changed because we had netball. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. We did not do netball at uni. Um, we did do table tennis once, though. In fact, I'm not really strengthening my argument here. Right, um, I'm getting well off topic. Um, anyway, yeah. So, started off as a fitness instructor. I was pretty damn out of shape. And... Um, the way I got out of it was I would work in a gym five days a week. So every single day of that week, I would exercise for an hour before my shift. I would do um, weights workout followed by uh, high intensity interval training, um, which is probably not a way I would do it now. Um, one, I'd be too lazy to do it that way. And two, I don't think it's actually the best way of doing it. Uh, it wasn't high intensity interval training. It was running a three kilometer run on the treadmill as fast as I possibly could. So it was quite intense. It certainly was, but it wasn't interval training. Um, but yeah, it, I did that every single day, and my diet was terrible. But and I still drank loads. But because I was exercising so much, um, particularly compared to what I had been doing, um, I was getting really good results. So my diet was bad, but. I, my exercise was so much that it didn't it it improved because before that I'd had no exercise and my diet was bad so when I added exercise to it I got really good results so this sort of idea that um, you can't out tra out train a bad diet never I never really believed it because I'd literally seen it now I wasn't about to become you know a men's health cover model but I was in decent shape. And I look back at those photos now and I go, you know, I was in better shape then than I have been, I'd ever been beforehand and I have ever been since. I'm a lot stronger now than, now than I was then, but I was so much leaner then and my diet was so much worse. <laughs> my diet's really good now, but I've, I'm, you know, because I'm not able to exercise, 
right, I am able to exercise as much, I just haven't because I don't enjoy exercising at home, it sucks. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm not as lean as I was then, and I would like to be that way again, especially as I'm getting married in, oh Jesus, four months? <laughs> it's really creeping up on me, so, you know, unless there's another lockdown, which nobody wants except for people who are struggling on their wedding diet. <laughs> I'm kidding, I really do want to get married. But anyway, yeah, so um, the abs in the kitchen thing. Um, I think it annoys me because it's just factually incorrect, but I don't complain about it too much because I think the um, the message behind it is fairly... Uh, I don't know, accurate is the right word. It's fair. It's a good statement. Um, you def- to, to get abs, what you need to do is have a body fat for men that's about between about 10% body fat. Um, most average men have around 20 to 25, I would say. Um, uh, even like pretty skinny guys, you know, they, they would probably have a body fat percentage which was around 15, 16, maybe higher. Um, you... You don't really get abs just by being thin, but um, you get it through the combination of exercising a lot and being, you know, and, and getting lean through dieting. So, you know, if you want to build muscle, you've got to eat, and if you want to then show those muscles off well, you've got to cut the calories and burn the fat. So there's a lot of diet that goes into that, um, but overall it's just, it's just an irritating statement and it's usually said by irritating people so (laughs) right um what beer am i drinking today uh it's called the heart pale ale and it's got possibly one of the grossest um designs i've ever seen in my life which is a human heart not like the fun valentine's day version like an actual one with an aortic chamber and all that sort of stuff um, which is also slowly turning into a hop at the bottom of the heart. It's just horrific. I don't know what they were thinking, um, but you'll, you've probably already seen the photo now, because if you're watching, uh, listening to this podcast, you've probably seen the cover photo. But yeah, it's a pale ale, um, and it's from an Australian brewery, which, if you remember, I think it was either the last podcast or the podcast before, I drank an Australian beer as well. Um, and this beer is very good actually yeah it's a pale ale so um not an ipa more like um i wouldn't say it's like an english pale ale um it's more like a golden ale so uh what's a good example of a golden ale um no can't think of a single one which is annoying and i'm not going to search it out but yeah it's a it's very nice actually um horrible can design but a really good beer so this is from hop nation brewing company which is based in melbourne i got it through beer 52 um what is described as having floral notes um which yeah i I, I can see that although i'm very um influenced by being you know if somebody tells me something smells like that i can then smell it if you just gave it to me and said what does that smell like i would have absolutely no idea um I was kind of really tempted because I've been doing this for, well, I've been doing it for ages, but, you know, I've been doing it quite regularly for about 
six, seven months now, and you know, getting a a big, a slightly, very, very slightly bigger audience. Um, I was quite tempted to do a course on beer tasting, um, so I could actually get a bit better at it. But one, I'm reluctant to spend any more money on courses because I've been absolutely chucking money at nutrition courses recently, and. I, whilst I think long term they're a good investment, short term they are absolutely not a good investment and I would rather pay money for rent than more courses. But also with the beer course, I just thought, what if it's all bollocks? Like, what if they're just making it up? <laughs> like, I remember um, they're talking about, you know, wine tasters. Um, my aunt used to work at a private members club, like... Uh, one of the biggest and the oldest in London. I also, I also used to work in a private members club, but mine was very new in comparison. Um, but she, um, I won't name it because I don't know. Maybe the story would annoy her for being having it mentioned about her club. Well, it's not her club; she doesn't work for them anymore. But um, she said that they used to do wine tastings, and they had like all the top wine tester tasters from the country were there. And, uh, you know, they, they were given, this is, yeah, I think this has happened quite a few times actually, but this was one where she actually saw it happen at her club and they were all given, uh, really good wines and some absolutely terrible ones. And she said that I think there were four of them and all four of them really, really enjoyed this absolutely horrific, um, well, it wasn't horrific cause it was enjoyable, but really, really cheap sort of like sainsbury's own brand wine you know as their favorite wine of the thing and what worries me about that is that um it means that a lot of the people who are drinking wine probably go based on name reputation and what others say about it and i have this big fear that that's exactly what happens with beer tasting like don't get me wrong like some beers it's really obvious like you know um I've had a you know like beers that are supposed to taste like melon and stuff like that, and you can absolutely taste that. But it's the beers that like this, which is like a pale ale, and then you've got you know you read people's descriptions of it on uh, you know uh, what's the beer review site? Um, no, doesn't matter. Uh, but they're all saying you know oh yeah um, cinnamon notes and you know trampled flowers and chewing gum stuck to a converse shoe and you're like are those tastes there and how did they get there because this is made from hops and water and barley and yeast and I don't really understand where where that flavor would have come from it doesn't make any sense but like you know they'll say it and and what's interesting is you get like a hundred reviews from people just like this and almost every single one of them will say something different. So I was very reluctant to do the course in the end because I was worried that I'd become one of them. And I think that my personality type, I'm exactly the kind of knobhead who would. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't just enjoy something. I've got to enjoy it as well as anyone. Like, I like beer, so obviously I've got to run a beer and biceps website and do a podcast and, a, and an Instagram account because I can't just enjoy something and shut up about it I've got to go all in um, so if I did that course um, it would just be l leaning into it more than I already am and I'm already pretty fucking deep <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but, you know, maybe I will. Maybe uh, I'll stop giving a shit what people think about me. That would be a dream scenario for me. Um, right. So, next week, I'm going to be talking about um, the five best fitness professionals to follow online. And I'm not going to include myself, partly because I'm not one of them, and also because you're already following me. You know, there's no way that people are just picking this up randomly online. You've got some hardcore, strong followers, and thank you very much, guys. Right, after that delusional sentence, um, I will talk to you again next week. Have a good one.